Richard Marks. Gilbert calls me Dick. <laughs> and you're listening to Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast. Waiting for This is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast with my co-host Frank Santo Padre and our engineer Frank Verderosa. Well, Frank and I have done over 250 of these interviews now, and every once in a while we somehow manage to snag a guest even we can't believe we hooked. Tonight's guest certainly fits that category. He's a producer, New York Times best-selling author, and one of the most admired and popular actors of the last seven decades, appearing in classic films such as the original Titanic, A Kiss Before Dying, The Longest Day, The Pink Panther, Harper, The Towering Inferno, Midway, Wild Things, Crazy in Alabama, The Curse of the Pink Panther, and in the Austin Powers series as Dr. Evil's long-suffering associate number two. He also made dozens of TV appearances on hit shows such as Laughing, Seinfeld, The Simpsons, Boston Legal, Futurama, Two and a Half Men, and his own memorable series, It Takes a Thief, Switch, and of course, Heart to Heart. In a long and very distinguished career, he's worked with and played with virtually every Hollywood icon you can name, including Spencer Tracy, Robert Mitchum, James Cagney, David Niven, Elizabeth Taylor, Cary Grant, Paul Newman, Marilyn Monroe, Betty Davis, Peter Sellers, Frank Sinatra, and Sir Lawrence Olivier, just to name a few. A few. His three best-selling books are Pieces of My Heart, You Must Remember This, and I Loved Her in the Movies, Memories of Hollywood's Legendary Actresses. And all three are essential reading for our fellow showbiz historians. Frank and I are thrilled to welcome to the podcast a genuine matinee idol and a screen legend and a man who says that the wig he wore in Prince Valiant made him look like silent film star Louise Brooks. The legendary Robert Wagner. Oh, thank you for that introduction. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Thank you so much. I promised Gilbert. it would that be lengthy, wonderful. Robert. Now, yeah, but be- there's only one thing in that introduction. Yep. I didn't ever work with Cary Grant. Well, we said we, I knew- we said worked with and played with. Oh yeah, okay, good because I, because I knew him Uh-oh, and he was a very lose the Skype. Oh fuck. 
There we go. Hey, hey. we're back. There oh, you are. sorry, technical. Sorry about that, Robert. The last uh, the last words I heard from you were "Oh fuck." <laughs> <laughs> That was the working title of this show. Love you for that, Gilbert. I, I, I knew exactly what you felt. <laughs> Let's try this again. Okay. Are we back up, Frank? Okay. What we were saying with Kate. Hey, Gilbert, that was wonderful. I, I, I love that, Gilbert. That was great. Oh, what, what did you love? <laughs> the old fuck. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> So, so, you, so we were talking about Cary Grant. Yes, sir. Yeah, you didn't work with him, but you were friends. No. Yes, I, and I and I, I really liked him so much. He was such a wonderful man to me. And, uh, you know, like every young actor in that, that period, they all wanted to be Cary Grant. And I was one of them, I can tell you. He was a very special, wonderful, wonderful man. I love that story from the book, from uh, Pieces of My Life, where you, you were on the set watching him work. And he was well into his 50s at that point. Oh, yes. And he told you he had just learned yeah, something was, for the first time. Yeah, well, he was doing that picture with Deborah Carr, you know, The Affair. Yeah. I believe that affair was to, Affair to Remember. It's been made two or three times. Uh, and I want to ask you something about that introduction in a minute, too. Um, the um, uh, He was doing The Affair with, with Deborah Carr. And, he, and I was there watching him. I was on the set that day, and... I was watching him, and he came over to me, and he said, geez, I, I, really, I really learned something today. And I said, really? And he said, yeah. He said, I, I learned how to breathe in a scene. And I, I, th I thought about that, and it's true. You know, sometimes you're holding your breath, you know, waiting for the next line, or you said your lines, and, you know, breathing is a normal thing to do, and we do it all the time. But sometimes, uh, at least for me as an actor, I wound up holding my breath, you know, I found out. It's amazing that he could learn something that late in his career. Yeah, well, he was always, he was such a, a courageous actor and so adventurous. And he was always, I mean, he had, his range was incredible. Yeah. When you think about it, it was really, really something. You said in the, in the introduction, by the way, that I was in, the original Titanic? Oh, uh, was it? Well, was it, but yeah. I didn't want to say the, Titanic and well, confuse our audience into thinking that you were in James Cameron's Titanic. Oh yeah, well yeah. I, I wouldn't. I would. I wish I had been in that. It would have been a wonderful <laughs> thrill. That would have, that would have been great. I like yours better. Uh, I. Well, you know, we made that in '52 or '53. I guess you guys have got all the numbers there, but um, you know. Uh, I thought there was an, wasn't there another Titanic that was made before we made ours? There's a British one made with David McCallum. A Night to Remember a is British, one of British them. cast, Ken, yeah. Yeah, Kenneth Moore, the British actor, and, and David McCallum. But that, I think that was after you guys. David McCallum was in that? Yeah. I was in the, I was in the uh, 1952. Yeah, yours was first. Really? And was Clifton Webb, he was in the version you were in. Yeah, with Barbara Stanwyck. Yes. Well, I, I was in the version that he was in, actually. <laughs> uh, it, was Clif it was Clifton Webb and Barbara Stanwyck, Bryna Hearn. Oh, he had a wonderful cast. Uh, Richard Basehart. Oh, I love him. Thelma Ritter. Yeah, there were there were some really wonderful actors in that. And it was a great break for me. I, I was It was a wonderful, 
wonderful time in my life. And I have to get it out of the way. Can I call you RJ? Yes, please. <laughs> After that introduction, you can call me anything. <laughs> I, there you I, go, Gil. You've made it. I, when someone asks me what I did last night, I'll go, uh, RJ stopped over. We played tennis. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you knew about you. I well, you knew you were in the studio system. Tell us what the studio system was. Well, uh, at that time, the studio system was um, there were all the studios: MGM, Columbia, Warner Brothers, Fox. They all had um, contract players. Uh, that meant that. In order to become a contract player, you went, you did an audition. If they thought you had a potential, they would test you. They'd look at the test, and then they'd sign you, and you'd be under contract to the studio. So I, that was how it worked in that, t in that time. When I started, I, I was 18, and uh, I made the rounds and uh, went to all of the studios and did the readings and all of that. And uh, there was this marvelous dramatic coach who I am so indebted to by the name of Helena Sorrell, who said, I think he has something and I'd like to test him. And they tested me and Zanuck, Daryl Zanuck saw the test and he said, I don't know. And he, she said, well, run it once more and just look at his smile. She said, I, I think he's got something. I, I really do. And as a result of that, they signed me to a uh, six-month contract at $75 a week, and I was under contract at 20th Century Fox. And I was there for 12 years, and it was the most marvelous time for me and for my career, and I'm totally grateful for that, and will always be. And that's how I got started. It, it must break your heart to see what just happened with Fox and the, dis, the dissolution of the studio. Isn't that incredible? What was it, 71 billion? Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? That uh, the distribution and the, and uh, I mean, the, the, it's a tremendous company. I mean, it's great, but uh, it's quite different from when I started, you know? I just don't think anybody would have ever believed that it came to that. Yeah, when you started, you were in that group of what were called like the young pretty boy stars. And who were some of the other young pretty boys? Well, there was uh, Rock Hudson, Tab Hunter, Tony Curtis. Yeah. We were the we were the four that kind of captured that fifties Bobby Sox idols of the fan magazines and all of that. There's that great picture in your book of you guys on that ladder, you and Rock Hudson. And Isn't Tony that Curtis. wonderful? Yeah, I was yeah. just showing Gilbert. He knew the picture before I even showed it to him in the book. Isn't that a wonderful shot? You know, we took that. Uh, over on uh, next to a, uh, a soundstage. I think we took it at Columbia, as I remember. And uh, we, uh, I don't know where Tab was. I, I think he was shooting, but it was supposed to be the four of us. And uh, yeah, it was for Life Magazine. Great shot, huh? Oh, it's, it's just classic. And you, you guys had a lifelong friendship, you and Tony. Yes, we did. We, we, were, we, we, uh, we had our ups and downs, but we... Uh, we had a lifelong friendship, and I knew Rock very well, mm -hmm. too. And, of course, Tab. Uh, Tab was a wonderful young man. He, he was really great. I, I liked him a lot. Yeah, he was somebody we wish we'd gotten on this show. Yeah, that would have been nice, you know. It was, I mean, we all shared 
a, a period, you know, that period of time coming up in the 50s and the late 40s. Sure. That was a quite an quite an interesting time, and uh, so we remained friends through all of that. And uh, they um, they all have pieces of my heart, believe me. And Rock Hudson, tell us about him. Well, he you know he was he was a, a very big star. I mean he he was the I, I think the the number one guy of all of us that were starting at that time. Tony was very big too, but. But uh, rock, rock really hit pretty well, you know, and he, and he made a lot of good pictures. He made, he was in some pretty good films. Yeah, I, lo- I love that you and Tony were bo- forever bonded by the. You guys would tease each other. Him, you, uh, he teased you about Prince Valiant, and you tease him about what was it, Black Shield of Falworth. You had this this ongoing thing. You'd call call each other up and t- and, and and address each other that way. Yeah, we did. Uh, we did that. I'd call up and say hello. This is the prince, and he'd know immediately that it was me. <laughs> and I, you know, the thing that was nice about that, I didn't have to put the wig on when I was talking to him. <laughs> your, your friend Paul Newman could have been in that club too with the silver chalice. Well, yeah, but Paul was all, yeah, he could have been. You know, my late wife was in that movie. Did you know that, Natalie? Yeah, oh, yes. Natalie yeah. was in that picture. Yeah, a, a lot of people didn't know that. That was that was one he always tried to talk down or live down. Oh yeah, he he. he he was not quite too thrilled with that picture. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think he didn't like that too. I much. think Paul Newman took out an apology in the papers uh, for the. Yeah, I think he did. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I I did a. I had the opportunity of working with Paul on a couple of films, and uh, I had such respect for him and and for Joanne. I, I they they were. They were just wonderful. They did so much for for everyone, and particularly for our for our business. I mean, they were such contributors to the motion picture industry, and both of them gave so much to to our our work. And I mean, he he was an exceptional guy, exceptional. And she was, she is, and and she's a wonderful, wonderful lady. They're very fine people. I just watched the A and E biography of your life, Robert, and he, he, he you, you of course know this. He pays you a very lovely compliment. Yeah, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah, isn't that nice? That's a sweet thing to have yeah. somebody say about you. Yeah, it was very, very generous of him, and I, I liked him so much. We had a lot of fun together, and we did some good work. That that Harper was love that, that one. Was a good part in that. Yeah, that was a good part. That part of beauty. That was a that was a good one for me. And we just lost William Goldman. Yes, I I saw that and. Uh, God, he, what, talking about contributors, whoa. He, uh, what a career. He gave us all a great deal. Oh, yeah. Did you ever have him on your show? We, did, we never got him, no. I think we started this show in 2014, and I think, we, we, uh, I think he was not well. We have managed to, cut, to get 250 people, which we're very proud of, and some people you've worked with. Uh, I'm sure. And you were, I'm sure. you were friends with Spencer Tracy. Yes. What? <laughs> Why can you tell us about your friendship with Spencer Tracy? Do you know I had an interesting experience happen to me late, uh, recently, Gilbert? I was uh, honored at the Lone Pine Film Festival uh, up in Lone Pine, California, where they made a great many pictures up there from the silence all the way to today. And um, it's a wonderful little town, and they have this festival every year, and I was honored and I was very, very touched that they, they asked me to be a part of it. And um, they ran Broken Lance. Uh-huh. And that was, a, that was a picture that I did with Spencer 
Tracy, and that's when I first met him. And I was sitting there in the theater looking at the film, and I, I really, I, I tell you, what that picture did for me, I, of course, didn't realize it at the time, but my relationship with, with Spencer Tracy started then, and then I did a picture with him called The Mountain, which Eddie Dimitrik directed, yeah. and he had also directed Broken Lance, and that took me to Europe for the first time, and I was with them, and it put me in just in a whole different category. And I, of course, didn't realize it at the time, but it took me out of being just another, you know, guy in Hollywood that was trying to get started and get motivated and and get some breaks and get some parts and be in the movies. And with that one, I mean, that took me out of that. And Spence gave me co-star billing in the mountain. And my career completely changed with that with that film. You played a real SOB in the mountain, which I just rewatched. And and it also it changed my life a great deal. It, did. it changed my life a great deal. Yeah, it was such a uh, you know a wonderful thing for me for to be able to sit there and and have that feeling of how that propelled me uh, forward. And I never I never thought about it at the time, but God, it did so much for me, and I'm so indebted to Eddie Dimitrik and to Spence. Spence was wonderful to me. And uh, very special. He was a very special human being. And I loved him. He was a terrific force in my life. And I I remember growing up, I'd watch like the Jack Benny show. And he would always, the doorbell would ring and Spencer Tracy would stop over and whatnot. And, and then I thought, oh, when I was a kid, I thought, oh, everyone knows each other in Hollywood. And then I Everybody's thought, friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I thought <laughs> it's not the case, but with you, I it seems like you you were friends with you know if they were in Hollywood, you were friends with them. Well, I I was very fortunate to meet a, a great many people in Hollywood, and they they were just wonderful to me. You know, I mean, people were were just so great to me. Did you ever uh, watch the Jack Benny show when I rang the bell? Oh, I don't remember that. <laughs> did you, did you, you did? show up on the Jack Benny show? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> sure, I was on the Jack Benny show. Yeah, and he was great. He was such a wonderful man. He uh, had, uh, I mean, he was so great to his guests, and it was thrilling for me to be on his show. It was just so exciting, yeah. You know, one of the things in the book that you come away with, Robert, is is, is the serendipity of things and the coincidence. And, you know, you meeting... Those guys on the golf course when you were a caddy, when you were a boy, having no idea, not even be able to imagine that you'd be working with them one day. So, so amazing. I mean, it's so, so amazing to me and, and so fortunate. So I was so lucky to, to have had that opportunity to meet them. And they were, they were all wonderful to me. All of those men that, that I wrote about in the book that were walking up the fairway at the Bel Air Country Club, Randolph Scott, Cary Grant. Yeah, and Fred Astaire uh, and, and uh, you know, Fred, Fred Astaire, yeah, and Clark Gable. Yeah, you know, I mean, c- can you imagine? And I, you know, uh, Fred Astaire, I, I played when I did uh, it Takes a Thief. He played my father. He sure. came on the show. I mean, that was incredible. And, and then my relationship with Cary Grant. I mean, to know him and Randolph Scott was great. And Gable, uh, he he lined it up for me to go to MGM for one of those. Uh, meetings to try to get under contract to the studio and become one of the contract players. I mean, he did that. I never worked with Clark Gable, but 
he was really wonderful to me, just a, such a special man. And he was, he was the king. He was great. If you, I came away wondering, if your parents hadn't shipped you off, and for our listeners that don't know, you're originally from Michigan, from the Detroit area, and your parents sent you to Hollywood. Yeah. They sent you basically away to military school. Right. And had, had that not happened, do you think you would have wound up in show business? Somehow on your own, on your own power, your own steam anyway? I, I think that would have happened, yeah. I, I really do. I think I, I think I was a bit destined for that, you know? Well, you you were like a bad student, I heard. I was like a what? A bad student. Like in school, you weren't really moving ahead, and that's how your parents... Uh, yeah, why did they? Yeah. Why did your parents ship you off? Were they trying to discipline you, or? Yeah, I think at that time that was the thing, you know, in the, in that period of time before the war, and they were trying to discipline me and thought that that could make me a man and all of that. But uh, I was very rebellious. I was a very rebellious young guy. I look back at it now, and I, I think, Jesus. I mean, I, I'm amazed that I got to where I got, but I'm so happy that I did. And also, I see, I had the, t- I had the opportunity. I, I was a uh, scholarship to, to USC and, you know, the, 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 uh, the idea was to go to college and, you know, be an engineer or get a college education and all of that. And uh, I chose to go for the movies, you know. I, I, ch- I chose to to try to get involved in the picture business because I was crazy about the movies. Yeah. And um, it worked out for me. What, what were your favorite kind of movies? I know you, you, you went to the Fox Theater and Westwood and The Bruin. And Gil- Gilbert's passion is those old universal horror classics, the Karloff yes. and, the, and the Lugosi pictures yeah. and Cheney Jr. What, 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 were you, what floated your boat in those days, Robert? What was your... Well, uh, I think... You know, Gunga Din was Gunga Din. Sam Jaffe. Yeah, and Four Feathers. And yeah, that th- those kind of pictures were one, what really fascinated me. And then I, I loved the uh, noir pictures. You know, when they came along, I wasn't much into those Lugosi films, so like you were, Gilbert. You really liked those, didn't you? Those yeah, was a horror guy. I liked the old. Yeah. Classic monsters and the really low budget crap monsters. Yeah, those. Yeah, I see those pictures often on TCM, and uh, it's interesting to watch them. They they were fantastic, but I was never much of a fan of those horror films. I sort of liked uh, Laurel and Hardy and and um, Chaplin. I, I I thought Chaplin was just so fantastic, but I was just overcome with how they did it. You know how how did they do it? That's what was fantastic to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You knew Harold Lloyd too when you were a young man. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Harold Lloyd was very helpful to me to uh, to get started in the picture business. He introduced me to a a woman agent called uh, Helen Weintraub, uh, and uh, uh, you know she, uh, he 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 you know Harold would give these wonderful parties at the house and. I was invited, and I was, you know, asked. I, I knew them. They were they were wonderful people. They, you know, he was a an amazing force in the motion picture industry, as you well know. Sure, sure. And uh, and uh, you know, to be around that, and he'd have all of these people come to these parties who were, you know, legend, legendary people. Exciting, very exciting. Did you did you meet or or get to know uh, Chaplin and Keaton at any point? No, 
I never did. Yeah. I, I met I met Buster Keaton. Uh, I and I met Charlie Chaplin just just to shake hands with him. I was at right. the Academy Awards and uh, he was being honored, and I had the privilege of being introduced to him. But I, I didn't know him personally. But I did go to school with Sidney, his uh, son, and oh, yeah. we were very good ah. friends. We Sidney and I were very good friends, and he was very he, he was he was a particular guy. He was a special guy. He worked on. Uh, on the, on the show on Heart to Heart once he 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 came on and did it. Boy, everybody did that show. Yeah, they did. W- wasn't that wonderful? Yeah, that was what great. a ca- what a what a extended cast. Sydney was managing Charlie Chaplin. I think he I was think, at one point. Well, I uh, I I don't know whether too many people managed Charlie. <laughs> 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 uh, you know, speaking of those old comedies, uh, uh, Robert, I know you're a Laurel and Hardy fan, and you must have been a Marx Brothers guy, too. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I met all of them. You met oh, all the Marx Brothers. Oh, got to hear everything. Yeah, I was pretty, pretty, uh, I had some great times with Zeppo. He was wonderful. I played a lot of golf with him and Jen, and he was, he was a terrific guy. And I had the opportunity of meeting all of them, yeah. Can you tell us a quick memory about each one of them? Oh, my God. <laughs> Gilbert, please. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I could uh, so- sort of end that with the, with the line that you gave me at the opening. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was watching the Pink Panther last night. And by, by the way, is that the only time you ever wore a gorilla suit in the movies? Uh, I think I I wore I think I wore a gorilla suit when I was doing Heart to Heart. There you Maybe, go. Uh, I I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't remember. The way Blake Edwards stages those set pieces is just masterful. Oh, he was sensational. Blake was absolutely fantastic, and we were very good friends. I was a friend of his up until the time that he left us, and he was a special human being, and he gave me a great break in that in that picture. Great break. I loved it. And I loved working with Peter. They don't make them like that anymore. No, they don't. And and I love Peter. Peter was great. And of course, David, I had known, and uh, to work with him was really, you know, so very special and such a great time. That was a real highlight, high time and a highlight of my life. I I always heard with Peter Sellers when he wasn't in character, it's almost like he didn't exist. That he didn't exist. Well, yeah, like he was well, one, how, like, like very, he, he wouldn't open up to people. Oh, what they used to say about Sid Caesar, that he had, to, he had to find a character, that he was very uncomfortable being himself. Yeah, I think there's probably some truth to that. I, 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 I loved him. I, I, I got along with him great. But I, I, think he, I think he was always searching, and when he found those characters, he stayed in them. But can you imagine anybody else being Clouseau but him? Oh my God! Yeah. How did you guys manage to you, keep a straight you, face? Do you do you know do you know the story about about Usinov, Peter Usinov? They wanted they wanted Usinov to play Clouseau, mm-hmm. and uh, Blake Blake always wanted Peter Sellers, and uh, anyway, uh, Usinov came down to Rome. And just had a conversation with Blake, and they talked about the character of Cluzo, and he wasn't too happy with the script, and he wasn't too happy with doing improvisational work, and the, he and Blake didn't hit it off. And Blake 
got on the phone and called Peter, who we had always wanted. And Peter came down to Rome and, oh, I mean, he when he grabbed a hold of that character, I just, I just knew that this was going to be a hit. You know, it was one of those things you just knew it was going to be extraordinary. And it was. You guys look like you're having the time of your lives making that movie. Oh, yeah, we had a lot of fun. It was great. It was a lot of fun. It was very good work. And it was also the most expensive domestic comedy, I think, that ever been made. And they were Interesting. You know, concerned about that. Can you tell Gilbert the great, the great Niven story from the book, Robert, about the ski lift? <laughs> about the ski lift oh you mean coming down yeah. the ski lift? Oh, yes. yes it's such a great <laughs> yeah. story and it's, well, it's right up Gilbert's alley <laughs> yeah well I mean I you gotta understand that it blew me away I mean I was having a very difficult time controlling my urinary tract because I was <laughs> dying laughing all the time uh, we came down on we came down on the ski lift and um uh, we had gone up to the Aguilda Midi. We were up at the top, and um, no, it wasn't the Aguilda Midi. It was another another mountain. We were in uh, Cortina de, de Ampezzo, and um, the weather changed, and the weather moved in, and and uh, David and I had worn very thin pants and <laughs> had we, did, we, did, we didn't really have the gear to uh, to go to go up to that altitude. And coming down, that started to snow and blizzards and all of that. And uh, David turned to me and he said, uh, uh, freezing my cock, old boy, freezing my cock. <laughs> and I said, are you sure? And he said, yes, very sure, old fellow, very, very sure. <laughs> and so we got off the lift. We got off the lift and we went immediately to the bar and um, we got a couple of brandies <clears throat> and snifters and full of brandy and we went into the men's room and he took uh, his unit out and put it into the brandy snifter, you know, had it in the brandy snifter. And this man walked in and he said, good God, good God, what are you two doing? What are you doing? And Niven said, I always give it a drink now and then, you know. <laughs> so <clears throat> by that time, I was on the floor of the bathroom in hysterics. And also peeing in my pants at that time. I mean, I was really out of it. It was great. <clears throat> he, was a, he was a wonderful, wonderful man, and what a sense of humor. I mean, you can tell by that, can't you? Oh, God. Yeah, we're big fans. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Oh, he was, he was the best. Did either of you ever had an opportunity to meet him? No. No. Would have loved oh, to. He was... He was special. He was a special, special human being. And and you were good pals with Roddy McDowell. Love him. Yes, I was, yeah. From from a very young age. From a very young age. I knew him when I was about uh, 14, before I got in the picture business. I met Elizabeth through him when we were, we were all just kids. Amazing. And uh, Rod, Roddy was, oh, he was, Roddy was great. And... Uh, very courageous actor. He had a tremendous range and uh, great human being. Yeah, we were very close, very close friends. I, I have some things in my house that he left me when he passed away. And God, he left us all very too young, too young he left us. And I miss him desperately. He was a very special man in my life. Everybody that we've had on this show who knew the man has nothing but lovely things to say about him. Well, he was a special man. Special man and very, uh, 
very generous to everyone. And and when you talk about a film, a film buff and a and a man who knows pictures and knows movies, he had a tremendous collection. And he, you would did you ever have him on your show? No, no we started in twenty fourteen. Yeah. Oh, he was gone. Oh, it's yeah, bad. we only you, we started you, you five years ago. Lo- you, you would have loved him. You would have loved him. He was. I'll great. bet. Yeah, I'll, I'll bet. <laughs> the two people that you hear nothing but good things about are Roddy McDowell and, and uh, Jack, Benny. Jack Benny. Yeah, they love Jack Benny. Yeah, Jack Benny. He was as we talked about him. He was so special. He was. He was great. What? What humor? What timing? Oh, the the king the king of timing. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast right after this. That's what you say. <laughs> Gil and Frank went out to pee. Now they're back so they can be on their amazing colossal podcast. Podcast. Kids, time to get back to Gilbert and Frank's amazing colossal podcast. So let's go. Tell us about uh, this. Is this I found fascinating in the book was was John Ford putting you through your paces as a young actor? You know, um, Ford was a very, very tough man. I mean, he was a tough guy, and uh, he always had one person that he would kind of pick on while he was doing a film, and I happened to be it on What Price Glory, and I was uh, yeah. working with Jimmy Cagney. I was 21, 22 years old with Dan Daly and and Jimmy Cagney, Kareem Calve, and um, yeah, he um, he got me pretty good. I, I was I came out of a a scene uh, with Jimmy Cagney and walked out onto a street. It was, it was the Bernadette Street at 20th Century Fox. I'm, you guys are all aware of that, and uh, it was all a. Uh, <clears throat> Dressed for the First World War and all of that. I had a pack on and a gun and a helmet and the whole stuff. And he says, and there was a lot of extras and people walking around, a lot of filled up. And it was one of my first breaks in the picture business. And working for John Ford, you can imagine. I was of course. excited. A 22. And he, uh, oh, God. And he said, cut. And everything stopped. And he said, boob. That's what he called me, boob. He said, Boob, uh, you looked in the camera. Uh, I saw you looking in the camera. He said, you're not supposed to look in the camera. I said, I'm sorry, Mr. Ford. I, I didn't, I won't do that. It's whatever. He said, good. And he turned away and he turned back and he hit me as hard as you could hit anybody. Wow. And I was knocked down on the ground with his pack and the, and the gun and the helmet and Jimmy Cagney was there, and oh, my God. And I'm lying on the ground. If he'd had the camera on me then, I would have won the Academy Award. I was so stunned and so, I mean, I I just didn't know what happened to me. And uh, I got up, and he said, now go back there and do what what I tell you to do, and don't look in the camera, you know, that kind of thing. And he was on me most of the time, you know, but uh, he he was a wonderful director. God, he made some great movies. Sure did. And... uh, you know, I, I just was one of those things, and uh, I had a tough time with what, him. I, I talked about him quite a bit with uh, Scott Iman. You know, Scott yeah, Iman your is co-author, the co-writer yeah. of yeah, yeah. He, and and he's such a knowledgeable man about about film, and he did the book on him. You know, and uh, um, I t- talked extensively to him about John Ford. And Scott, you know, is a wonderful 
wonderful writer. You ought to have him on your show. We ought, we ought Man, to. We will. A... We will. We will make that happen. What, did he have a touch of the sadist yeah. to him? For did he? Did he bring you back to audition for the Searchers? Do I have that oh, right? Yeah, oh, you know about that? Oh, yeah. You know that story? Yeah. Oh, I, I, uh, I knew about the Searchers. I'd read the script, and it was so good. And uh, my agent had set up an interview for me to go see him. And uh, I went into his office, and he said, Hello, boob. How are you? I said, I'm fine. He's Porter. still you, calling sir? you boob. <laughs> he said, oh, yeah. And I said, and you, sir? And he said, I'm doing just fine. He said, uh, it's good to see you. I said, well, it's wonderful to see you. And I said, this script is so wonderful. What a, what a picture you're going to make out of this. It's going to be great. He said, you want to play the part, don't you? I said, yes, sir. I said, that's why I'm here. He said, uh, well, you're not going to. <laughs> I'm going to cast somebody else in it. So there's nothing really more to talk about, is there, boob? I said, uh, no, sir, Mr. Ford, but it sure is nice to see you. I go out, I, and I go out the door, and he said, boob? And I turned around, and for a second I thought, hey, maybe I still can get the part. <laughs> maybe it'll, you know, maybe it's there. Who knows? I said, yes, sir, Mr. Ford. He said, you really want to play the part, don't you? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, you're not going to. <laughs> oh, man. Unbelievable. And uh, have you ever had that experience when you, when you think that maybe when you want something so badly or you know about it and you get turned out, but then you think, well, maybe it'll change. Maybe <laughs> oh, it'll sure. <laughs> you, 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 have you had that experience? Oh, yeah. Boy, I was so weird. I say, oh, yes, sir, Mr. Ford. I'll, I'll do whatever you want, you know. <laughs> I wanted that. And Jeff, my friend Jeff Hunter played it, and he was so good in it. God, he was great. And it was such a marvelous picture. You've seen that film. I know you guys have seen oh, it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, it's so special. It's such a special picture. Oh, and it's inspired directors for generations to come. Oh, yes, definitely. And you were in a fun caper movie called The Biggest Bundle of Them All. I like that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With the yeah, great, I like that too. The great Edward G. Robinson. We love him. Yeah, I I knew I met him young. I knew his son Manny, and when I when I bef, kind of before I even got in the picture business, I I I knew Eddie G. He was a terrific guy, and what an actor! What an actor! But everybody loved everybody loved Eddie G. He that picture was directed by Ken Anakin. And I thought it was going to really get off the ground and go. But, you know, there was a problem with the script. The producer, uh, they, they, they accused the producer of stealing it. <coughs> and uh, because it was re so representative of a picture that was made at MGM. And they went to court and uh, the biggest bundle of them all lost the, lost the case. So kind of stopped it. But there were some good things in that movie I liked a lot. Oh, yeah, it's a good caper picture. And, and yeah. of, of course, knowing your reputation, did you get anywhere with Raquel Welch? What a wonderful thing for you to ask me. <laughs> I, I like that. <laughs> you, know, I just, you know, I just did a television series that my son-in-law was in, and I played her romantic lead. And uh, we were back together again, Ra Raquel and myself. <laughs> and she's, she's a... 
she's a really terrific lady, wonderful lady, and uh, we had a great deal of fun making this this uh, television show. So the answer is no, Gilbert. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> what were you asking, Gilbert? I mean, did, what, did, what did you think, that I had some kind of a... Uh, a, a relationship with her that I was doing something to her? Is that what you're asking? Uh, yes. Getting back to the early word, did you fuck her? Did I fuck Raquel Welsh? <laughs> yes. Yes, RJ. Uh, th that's what you're asking me? Yes. No, we no, Damn we it. never had an affair. Damn it. I wish I wish it had worked out because I, you know, on that picture, I mean, that was her second or third movie. And uh, <clears throat> she was terrific. She's a very lovely, lovely lady, and I had a lot of fun with her on this last on this last project. Do you do you know Shep Gordon, Robert? You must know Shep. Yes, I know Shep. Yeah, has he been on? Yeah, we had he was well. He managed Raquel at one point. Yeah, he must have been. Uh, he must have been a great, great interview. He for was. You, wasn't he? He's terrific. tight. Well, obviously, he's tight with your buddy Mike Myers. But but we had him here, and he's he's yeah. a great storyteller. Uh, the opposite of Ford was the way Fred Zinnemann treated you, which I found one of the touching things in the book. Oh yeah, well that wasn't that nice. I mean, yeah, I mean a, it's so it's what sweet. a wonderful thing. Well, you know, that was when I was starting, George, and you know, he um, he tested me for this picture called Teresa, and uh, he was so kind and so generous, and I was a very green actor. I'd hardly done anything, and. And here I was in front of the camera with Fred Zinnemann directing me, and he felt, you know, he wanted me for the for the picture, and he he was so nice, and I didn't get it, um, and uh, I, he wrote me a wonderful note saying I really did want you to do this, but MGM felt that to take a chance on such a, a, a young actor like sure. you who hasn't had the experience and all of that. And uh, it was so kind of him. It was so kind of him. And I saw him in <clears throat> London. I was being honored there at the uh, <clears throat> BAFTA thing. And, and uh, they were running some of my pictures. And he came, he came in, and I went over to him, and I said, you know, Fred, that meant so much to me. He said, I remember writing that note to you. And I said, well, I still have the note, and it meant a lot to me. And, you know, it was so nice of him to... Let me down like that, you know. That that was, you know, I I didn't, you know. We all get rejected so much in this sure. business and and in life, you know. And it's very hard sometimes to pick yourself back up after you've been, you know, so, you know, excited about doing something and so involved and and wanting it so much. And he knew all of that. I had that happen too with with George Stevens. Um, I wanted to play Jet Rink. I'd read that book, you know, Giant, and uh, mm -hmm. I wanted to. I wanted to play Jet Rink, and I saw, I saw George, and I said, you know, I'd really love to be. I'd love to have a chance to test for that part, and be in that picture because it's going to be great, and you'll make it a terrific movie, and all of that. And he said, you know, you would really be great. You would really be absolutely wonderful. I said, oh, really? He said, yeah. He said, I'm, I, I've made another choice for another actor. But he said, don't believe me. He said, you would you would have been great. What, what a way to put somebody down. That was, that was really nice. You know? <clears throat> because, 
it's all, it's all so, yeah, I mean, with all of the interviews you've done and all the people you've talked to, you got to have luck. You got to yeah. have fortune. That comes up a and, lot. Uh, boy, boy, it's, it's, it's true. It's true because everybody has a lot of ability and a lot of talent. And if, you, if you're there at the right time and the right place and you get a shot at something like that, that's, uh, that's luck. That's fortune. And I've been very fortunate and very lucky in my career and uh, worked with a lot of great people. And uh, they meant a great deal to me and they made the difference in my life. You have all these angels that appear sort of th- at, at various stages of your career that are, that are helping you along and, and right. showing you kindness, like Claudette Colbert. Uh-huh. Like Gloria Swanson, who ran lines with you from Sunset Boulevard. And mm-hmm. it's, it's tough. Oh, you have read the book. Oh, yes, twice. <laughs> <laughs> I read it when it came out. But it's it and 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 Helena Sorrell too, who you went to, who you stayed with, uh, you stayed in touch with. Even yes. She was uh, in her, in, I think she would, what lived to one hundred and four. Yeah, she lived to one hundred and four out at the motion picture home, and they took her in, and uh, they she was there for the, for the end of her life, and she was very well liked out there, and she had a full life, and it um, it she was wonderful, you know, she was very special, and she took time. To do that, look at that. I mean, that changed yeah. my life. Well, I think I think young actors should read the book too, because that you, you'll see that they'll they'll see that there there are turning points, but there are also people who help you along the path. Oh yeah, by all means. And you you certainly had your share. Oh yeah, luckily, luckily. Yeah, yeah. And tell us about Elizabeth Taylor. Well, there was a very marvelous, special lady, and. Uh, she, I think she was one of the best screen actresses we've ever, ever, ever had. I mean, she's just a remarkable. That scene in Giant, do you remember that scene in Giant when Rock comes to that wedding? She, she goes back east for the wedding. Oh, yeah. And she, and she feels that he's there. They're, they never speak. You know, he's at one end of the house and she's at the other end and she doesn't know that he's there. And, I mean, she's done some wonderful, wonderful pictures and... uh and she she was so wonderful. I, I produced a movie with her, and um, to work with her was one of the biggest joys of my life. And I, I really I really loved her. She was a very special girl. I met her when I was fourteen, and I knew her once she went through all of these different marriages and all of her different careers and all of that. But she was special, special, special lady. You you described her and too. Did right? a lot. You described her at one point as being somebody who didn't have a lot of luck uh, health-wise, that she was she had a lot oh. of misfortune that way. Yeah, she had a very difficult time physically. And uh, she, she stayed on top of that, you know? She, but she had some very, very difficult, very difficult times health-wise and, and throughout her life. And, you know, she kept going. She kept it up there and... Boy, there's no one around like that anymore. No. Uh, you could say that about a lot of these people whose and, names are coming up. And I remember you talked about meeting Michael Jackson. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, no, yeah, I, I met, actually, I met Michael Jackson uh, at a party that, that Elizabeth was at. Well, I, I knew, I, I had seen him a couple times before that because I was in the horse business and he had him. He had some horses on the ranch next to us, and 
they'd come out there and go riding and all of that. But yeah, he he was he he was uh, you know involved in the uh, in the wedding of uh, of Liza Manelli. I think that's what you're talking yes, about, isn't it? Yes. It was at the book, yeah. And uh, you know he was back there, and Elizabeth. <clears throat> had left her shoes, and they had to go back to the hotel and get her shoes. And Liza and David Guest were going to get married, and there was this big wedding in New York. I was with Robert Osborne, your friend, by the way, and I mine, love too. That. We love that man. Uh, yeah. Oh, he was he was such a special man. Uh, and Anyway, uh, yeah, Michael was there and with Elizabeth, and I said, you know, they, the wedding was being held up, and I said, you know, Michael, we, we've got to. He said, I love Elizabeth. I said, I love Elizabeth, too, but we got to get her inside and in her shoes so we can start the wedding. You know what I mean, Michael? You, you understand that? He said, yes, I understand. And, uh, but he was a very nice guy. He was a very nice guy. <laughs> very, I, I, liked, I, liked, I liked him a lot. And what a great talent. Jesus, what a talent that kid was. He oh. had a lot of it. Fine. Robert, we jump around as as you see, but I want to. I do want to plug and, and specifically mention this book that you wrote with Scott, uh, the new one from the, the twenty sixteen. I loved her in the movies, uh, and so many great stories. And again, how many classic actresses you knew and worked with? Mm-hmm. Joan Crawford. We mentioned Claudette Colbert. We mentioned Gloria Swanson, but uh, Norma Shearer, which I believe is the first movie star you ever met. That's right. Yeah, she was. Yeah. Do you still have that autograph picture she gave you? I do. Yeah, it's in the book, and I still have the I still have the picture. She was, uh, I mean, I didn't know who she was really. I was just a kid, you know, but I knew who she was later, and I had an opportunity of spending some time with her uh, when when I started getting in the picture business. And she was she was a very dynamic woman. I mean, she made a lot of great movies and all of that. I wanted to tell you one thing. Yeah, uh, you know, Robert Osborne. Uh, was a very close and dear friend of mine. We were under contract to Fox together in uh, the early 50s. And I go, I go back a long time with him. And uh, as I said, we were very good friends. And when he left us, um, he, he gave me uh, and Jill a bequeath in his, in his will. And uh, so Jill and I decided... We have kind of a long driveway coming into our house up here in Colorado. And I was going to put lights, you know, to light the driveway. Sure. On a, uh, and I did it on a, on a timer. You know, I mean, not a timer, but a, uh, you know, you drive by it and it, uh, what do they call it? A sensor. And the lights go on. So every time we drive in the driveway at night, the lights go on. And it reminds me of Robert. Oh, that's sweet. Oh, and, uh, lovely. Oh, it's so great. Yeah, he, he would have liked that. He was one of the most special men that I ever knew. And uh, what a contributor to our industry and what he's he's done for it is will be remembered always, I know, I, by, I, I think I would, by I, people. I'd like to think that just by himself, he, he got thousands, if not millions of people interested in classic films. Absolutely, you're absolutely right. With, with his passion, yeah, and he, he did he did us a big solid too. We had just started this show, and he came and did an early episode for us. Uh, did came he? down and yeah. took got himself down there in his own power in his own taxi cab, which we we were very grateful to him. And and he invited me on with him to talk movies on Turner. Oh yes, Classics. Gilbert was on. Oh yeah. 
He was one of those people. Yeah. I, I, we picked out movies and we just sat in those big easy chairs on Turner Classics and discussed movies together. That must have been very nice for you. Oh, you must have loved that. And he must have loved it too because you're so knowledgeable about them. You know, that's, that's terrific. Yeah, it was fun. That, I felt like I was just sitting at his house discussing it. Yeah, yeah he was a very... He was lovely. Yeah, very special man. I, I miss him. I miss him so much. No pretentiousness to the man at all. Just no. Na- just, just natural and affable and, and, and made you feel as if you'd known him your whole life. Yeah, and was a look. Pardon me, and loved the movies. He was really loved the picture business. Yeah, it was infectious. And and Frank and I were talking about you had memories of Towering Inferno. Yeah, that you said you liked Irwin Allen, which which I loved hearing because because you hear conf- oh, I, conflicting I, I, things about him. Well, Frank, did you ever meet him? I never did. did. You ever know him? No. No, yeah. would have very, very big very, fan of his work. Yeah, very interesting guy. He made a lot of fantastic movies, and he loved the film business. He absolutely loved movies, and uh, Towering Inferno was uh, his baby. That was his thing, and uh, you know he got. I mean, look at the cast he had. Of course, people that you know, you know felt so strongly about him and about the film, and the film was a tremendous success, as you know. Yes. Yeah, your friend's in there too, Fred. Yeah, F.A., the great F.A., he was there. <laughs> well, the ta- was, Towering Inferno's a... You know, the only, you, know, you know, the only accident that almost happened on that film, it didn't happen. Oh, yes. But, uh, but Fred, you know, they were up in the top floor, and uh, they were the last ones to be evacuated. And in the film, Fred was, was uh, in a... Everybody was covered with water. And they they were knocked around and had been and Fred was uh, they said they had to change the angle and they said Fred why don't you step out and he said no I think I'll stay here uh, how long will it take you and he said well whatever it is I'm going to stay right here because I don't want to have to rematch this and all because he was meticulous you know he was a perfectionist Fred Astaire so he stayed there for a while and then he said. You know, I think I will move out. And he got up and he moved out. And as he moved out, one of those big 10K lamps broke and fell right where he was sitting, where, where, he, where, where he was sitting. And it, and it crashed there. I mean, he would have been hurt very badly, very badly. That was the only accident that I knew of that happened on that film. We we like these 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 pictures like we talk about them, Gil. The Poseidon Adventure with your pal Roddy and 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 Towering Inferno movies that uh, you're also in Airport seventy nine, but movies that that the movies that studios don't make anymore. With those this sort of Grand Hotel feeling about them with all star casts. Oh. I wish you hadn't have mentioned that Airport seventy nine. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's a f- as um, as Gilbert would say. Fuck. <laughs> good cast, though. Yeah. You can't fault the cast. Oh, yeah. No, it was a good cast, and it, it, it worked out okay, except uh, it, there, were, there were some things in the film that were impossible. You know, that they couldn't happen. You couldn't fire sure. a gun in a plane like that. You could. There were things that were, were there was great license taken. And... Uh, but it was a great cast, and I uh, I enjoyed doing it. 
Uh, and, um, you know, it was, it was a good shot for me, you know, I must say. It wasn't the Towering Inferno so, such a gargantuan production, the two studios had to team up on it? Are you talking about financially? Yeah, I believe or, it was. I or, believe it, yeah, I believe it was, and I remember, I'll never forget Newman and McQueen's billing. Yes, how, yes. How, how, yeah. they, how uh, McQueen went first, but Newman's was higher. Yeah. <laughs> on the screen. Yeah, they had that, and I, and I had heard, I, and I don't know whether this is true or not, but I had heard they'd had some financial problems and distribution problems, and Irwin came in there and picked up uh, and put a lot of money up to save it, and he owned more of the picture. I think that's right. He owned more of the film. And, I, and that's what I had heard had happened, and I think that's true. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this. Did, did, here's, here's something Gilbert enjoyed. Did Cubby Broccoli, your friend Cubby Broccoli, ask you to be Bond at one point? Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's true. Uh, that 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 happened. That is cool. But I mean, you know, they they were they were they were searching a lot. But I, I, I I'm my my thing with Cubby was that you know Cubby, I'm so much an American, and uh, I, I think you know to have to do it with an accent and why do you want to go with all of that? You know, I mean, there's so many people around that can play it, and Roger Moore is perfect for it, and Roger and I were very close friends, and. And Roger was great in it, you know. He he just slipped into those shoes really easily, and I think it would have been a little bit difficult to have me say, oh, "Hello, how are you? I'm James Bond." <laughs> you know, I don't think people, I don't, I don't think people would have believed it. You know. <laughs> By the way, speaking of British actors, and I know you were you were friendly with James Mason too. Yes, I'm going to uh, wow you here, Robert. I'm going to uh, G- Gilbert. Give him a give him a little bit of your James Mason impression. I'm ready. From this point on, you won't have any <laughs> recollection of being Joe Pendleton or Leo Fonsworth. It's your oh. destiny, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Congratulations. That's a wonderful impression. I knew you'd like that. Thank you. <laughs> I've, um, I've done, you know, my, my wife, Jill St. Sean, is a Bond girl. That's right. Diamonds you know are forever. That. Yeah. Yeah, so I've done that uh, Bond, James Bond. You know, I've done that for her. <laughs> she says, get out of here. <laughs> Go away. She's not buying it, huh? I can't do it, you know. Now, now, it doesn't work with her. Now, a friend of ours, Gino, told me a story. You told him. I think Jill St. John got into some accident where she had to have a body cast. Like, yeah, she had some kind of body cast, Jill St. John, and and you liked the way she looked. I haven't heard this one. Gilbert, no? did you dream but this? Go ahead. <laughs> Let me hear the rest. This is a this is a dream. Let me Gilbert hear the rest. Had, she was in a body. Wait, wait a minute. She was in a body cast, and I did what? Okay, according to the story Gino said. You sure we got the right actor? Yeah. <laughs> sure it was Robert Wagner? Yes. <laughs> who is who is Gino? Who is yeah. Gino? A friend of ours. No, you oh. were you were complimenting the way her breasts looked in his cast. You know, I think Gino is uh, maybe dicking around with himself. <laughs> <don't you think? laughs> 
<laughs> okay, that, that goes on the blooper reel, Robert. Okay, okay. <laughs> but since, since we talked about Bond, I'll use the segue, the spy segue, to talk about It Takes a Thief. Bond. James Bond. <laughs> yeah, see, you could have done it. When Lou Wasserman came to you and said, Robert, I'd like to, I think you should do television. Yeah. I like that quote in your book where you say, uh, smart pe- listen to smart people. Well, no, he, he felt, I was mainly doing motion pictures, and I was under contract to, uh, I had made a contract with Universal, and, with, and, and Lou Wasserman was running Universal. And uh, I went into his office, and he said, I wanted to talk to you about something. I said, what's that? He said, I want to see you in television. He said, I want to see you in this magazine every week, TV Guide. I said, you know, Lou, I don't know whether to make a crossover and go into television, it doesn't seem right for me. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I've read this script. I know the guy that's written it. He wrote it with you in mind. I think it's perfect for you. Read it. And if we make it into a television pilot and they don't buy it, I'll make it into a movie for you. I said, okay. I said, all right, if you feel that strongly about it. I read the script. I loved it. Um, Roland Kibbe wrote mm-hmm. it. and we became, we became fast friends. And it was a great character, Alexander Monday. And I loved the character. And it's the best character, really, I've ever had. You know, I loved it. I loved playing it. And... Um, he said, I think this is the right thing for you. I made, the, I made the pilot. ABC saw it. They didn't like it. I was down in Brazil directing a movie, and uh, I got this cable saying they picked it up. And I thought, oh, God, this is going to be the end of my career, starting a mid-season television series. And, you know, I, it was really bad. Well, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And I'm so grateful that I had enough intelligence to listen to to Lou, who was a very brilliant guy and uh, man, and he and he was a very good friend. He and his wife, um, Edie, were very good friends of ours, and and uh, I'm surely happy that somewhere, somewhere in my brain, and somebody there said, "Listen to this man because he's." He's got the right thing. And I listened to him, and it changed my whole life. A smart show that never insulted your intelligence. It takes a thief. Yeah, I like. Thank you. Still think of that I, I, Dave Grusin score. And in Heart to Heart, you were there was that funny character Max. Oh, the great Lionel Stander. Uh-huh. And now, oh Lionel, yeah. Now he had he was one of those that was blacklisted. Did he ever speak about uh-huh, that? Yes, yes, he did. He talked about it quite a bit. I of course, and also I asked him a lot about it because it was such a treacherous time in all of our lives. And uh, a terrible blight on the United States. And um, he was um, one of those that really got hammered by it. I, you know, I, I had worked with Lionel in It Takes a Thief yeah. in Rome. We, we, he did a scene. He did a character called Max. Um, but when we started casting Heart to Heart, uh, Tom Mankiewicz, who was really the creator of the show, uh, he said, I think I saw the man to play Max today. And I said, who is that? He said, Lionel Stander. I had wanted to have uh, Sugar Ray Robinson. I thought Sugar Ray would have been interesting. Great. And yeah, it, w- it would have been interesting. But Lionel was absolutely perfect. He was spot on. He was the glue of the show. 
he was so responsible for making it a success, and he he was he was great to work with. I really had great fun with him. Was there a was there a story, Robert, of you of 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 Dimitric? Was it Dimitric and and uh, and uh, Lionel Stander being at the same party, or was it Kazan and Lionel Stander? Oh uh, no, it was it was it was um, it was Lionel. I had uh, produced a film with Elizabeth Taylor and myself, mm-hmm. and. Uh, called There Must Be a Pony, and I had a running of it. I ran it at the studio, and I took, you know, one of the theaters at the studio and invited several people, and I invited Lionel and and, and Eddie, and they were there. Yeah, that was... Uh, but, you know, I, I invited them, and uh, they came. And, you know, it wasn't anything that I was thinking about Sure. Getting them together or having them there was just one of those things. Yeah. Two guys obviously on opposite ends of that uh, of that situation. Yes, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. Here's something I wanted to ask I wanted to ask you about that that wonderful story if you would share it with us. This the Fred Astaire story when you were making It Takes a Thief. When he he walked into the room you were shooting in a Roman villa and the crowd started applauding and chanting his name. Oh yeah! Oh, that was terrific. That, that yeah, that's that really happened. Yeah, we went out. We had uh, we had lunch, and uh, Fred and I took off and went to a a trattoria around the corner. And we came back, and the crew was all in the in this ballroom. And uh, they uh, when we walked in, the crew started going, uh, Fred, 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 and he started to you know do a couple of steps, and then he danced around the whole ballroom and <laughs> finished in about 36 bars. And, I mean, it was just fantastic. The crew went crazy. I went nuts. And it was sensational. Yeah. Fred, Fred, oh, you, yeah, it was great. You said at the moment in the book that you said to yourself, remember this. Yeah, take a, boy, I'll say. Take a mental that, picture that of it. That one I never forgot. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that one I've never forgotten. By the way, on the subject of Tom Mankiewicz, a very, very gifted guy, and we had Richard Donner here, and Tom Tom Mankiewicz oh, yes. all, uh-huh. also had a hell of a lot to do with the success of Superman, with Don, oh, he did. Donner's okay. Superman, as as well as Heart to Heart. Donner's a big talent. He's made some great movies. He and Tom were very, very close, and and I see I see Dick once in a while. I, I as a matter of fact, I just saw him about two weeks ago, and. Uh, you know he he's a special he's a special guy he's he's given us all so much huh lovely guy a lot of good movies lovely guy yeah. you asked about this show by the way we've had just for fun we've had six people on this show who were on it takes a thief so i did a little research oh yeah who are they julie newmar oh yeah stuart margolin great oh yeah love stuart uh gino conforti yes, george Ch- george Chikay, frankie avalon and jessica walter Oh yeah, I just, I just, uh, Jessica Walter and I just did a an NCIS together. She's great. Yeah, she was a lot of fun. We want, we, uh, we want. You'll like this, uh, Gilbert. We wound up in the bathtub together. <laughs> Gil, he's got your number. Oh, you know me. <laughs> Hello, Gilbert. Are you there? Yeah. I was in the bathtub. I'll be thinking her. about Hello? this tonight. Oi, oi. <laughs> All right, she gave me another segue. This, this is, this is, uh, this is catnip for him, uh, Robert. Can you tell the? Can you tell him about OK Freddy? 
Okay, Freddie. Well, God, are you, can I tell these stories? Can yeah, I do that? sure. Absolutely. You know, yeah, you, we're, this is just a podcast. You know about do you know you know about you know about Okay, Freddie, right? Okay, <laughs> Freddie had one of the biggest units that there was. Around. He doesn't mean an apartment. And they, you know, they'd always say to him. And the way the way that he got his name was, people would say, "Freddie, can we see your unit?" And he'd say, "Okay." So it was okay, Freddie. <laughs> he also used to. He used to do a thing where he'd put it on a tab on a on a plate, you know, and they'd garnish it. They'd garnish it, and he'd go around and serve hors d'oeuvres. Oh, great! Absolutely great. He'd serve hors d'oeuvres. People would reach out, and then they they kind of do a double take, you know, for a second. They say, "No, that couldn't be," you know, but it was. <laughs> okay, uh, Freddie. One one favorite person that we discuss on this show all the time. And that subject is Milton Berle. Oh yeah, Milton Berle. I apparently I never saw it. <laughs> so, but, you, but he saw Freddy's. <laughs> you know, I think they took it out and measured once. I don't. I'm not sure about that. So, but um, I'll tell you who did see it was uh, <clears throat> Sammy Davis Jr. I think saw it once. <laughs> Sammy Davis Jr. saw Milton Berle's penis. <laughs> I, I think so. I'm not quite. You might check that out before you put it on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll get our fact checkers on that. I take it as fact no matter what. That's too good a story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Milton, Milton, was, uh, Milton was notorious. Tell us a little bit about, before we let you out of here, Robert, tell, and we'll plug the books again. But Steve, tell us, Steve, Steve if, you ever have, if you ever have Steve Lawrence on your show. We're trying to get him. He is an absolute... He is absolutely fantastic. Will you put a he word a in for most, us? One of the most wonderful. Yeah, sure, I sure will. He's one of the most fantastic guys I know. We've been trying Great to sense get of humor. He, he'll he'll have you on the floor. I'm telling you, you'll be you'll be finished with him, Gilbert. He he will take you away. When you <laughs> when you, if you get him on the show, okay, have him tell you the story about Milton. All right. We've been trying to get him on since we started this show. We'd love to have Steve He's Lawrence. great. Uh, well, when I see him, I'll tell him I did the show with you guys. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate that. Robert, before we let you get out of here, you're going to get back to your life. And we'll, like as I said, we'll promote the books again. Just a couple of other names that I wrote down. People who meant something to you in your life. Uh, uh, your good pal, Robert Stack. Yes, I, I was very close to Robert. We were very, very close friends and uh, uh, for quite a long time. And he was, uh, he was special. He was a very uh, unique human being, and he did some great work. I mean, you know, he, he started young, and he worked with some very heavyweight people, and he was oh, yeah. very good, very professional. He was, a, he was meticulous. He was a perfectionist. And he was a wonderful man, and I, I loved him dearly. He was a terrific guy. We've had people on the show, younger actors, who, who he, was, uh, he was very uh, supportive of. In fact, Nancy Allen, just last week, yes. told, told us some nice things about Robert Stack when they made the Spielberg movie, 1941. Uh -huh. what, what about your friend Gregory Peck? Just give us, just give us a, oh. you know, just a couple of short well, remembrances you know, Greg, of these. I, I admired Gregory Peck so very much. I admired his thinking. I admired the way he conducted himself. 
He was always a gentleman. He was a marvelous actor, a great contributor, and uh, he was a man that I have tremendous respect for and appreciation, and he was very kind to me, and um, I'd kind of like to have my life be like his. Wow, what a nice thing to say. And another great body of work. I, I love the fact, too, as I was reading I Loved Her in the movies, that you took time to call attention to character actresses, too. I mean, primarily the movie, the book was about people like uh, uh, Claudette Colbert and Barbara Stanwyck, but you, you, you had a little part of the book where you said, I want to stop now and I want to give due to character actresses or character actors. And you mentioned Thelma Ritter and Eve Arden. And Joan Blondell. And Joan, and Blondell. Joan Blondell. I thought you were, yeah. Wonderful. We like to talk about people like that on the show. Because they're like so good. You don't, rec- you don't, people don't notice character actors because they're so good at what they do. People like, yeah, people like James Gleason. Can, can I take these earphones off and go to the John and then I'll come back? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. It won't, we'll, it won't be a long we'll one. we'll wrap it up. It's not going to be a long one. You know what I mean? It won't be long. <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> He's got your I'll number, Gil. <laughs> okay. We're, we're, we're only going to drive you crazy for about I'm, five more minutes, Robert. I, I'm back. I just want you to know that movie stars do go to the bathroom. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, giving you a lot of, I'm giving you a lot of material, aren't I? Yeah, you really see, are. See, you just destroyed my whole image of Hollywood now. <laughs> okay, Gilbert. Now, Gilbert has one for you. Okay, this is very important. Tell us about Anita Egbert from the book. Oh my God! <laughs> oh my God! Um, well, I was very fortunate to meet her, and uh, she was uh, at RKO. And uh, she, well, she had just hit town, and uh, she was great. She was a wonderful, wonderful lady. I really liked her so much, and I had the chance to take her out when she was first starting, and it was great. I mean, you know, it, uh, she was just a, a wonderful lady and so beautiful. Oh, my God. She was such a beautiful lady. I think he was referring, Gilbert was referring to the story from the book. <laughs> Of you running across oh, a lawn. Uh, oh, oh well, uh, she was under contract to to, uh, to RKO and uh, uh, Howard Hughes was involved with her, and uh, I was with her. Uh, we were together in in her apartment, and there was a knock on the door, and it was Howard, and I got out of there real fast. I I got out through the window. She was on the ground floor, thank God, and. Uh, so I went out the window and was running down the, the uh, across the lawn, and I, I tripped on a sprinkler head. You know, they had sprinklers in, and I tore up my shoes, fell down. And it was a pretty exciting time, you know. It was a very exciting time, and I kept going because I didn't want to have Howard get me. <laughs> I could imagine. <laughs> I wanted to ask you too, Robert. How did you and Jill wind up in that Seinfeld episode? Were you were you fan? It's a classic episode. Were you guys fans? And- you know what? No. You, well, obviously we're fans. Yeah. And uh, obviously we're fans. We got a call 
to be on the show? And we said, absolutely. And went over to the studio and got the material and met all the people, and they were very happy with us, and there I was, yada, yada, yada. It was great. <laughs> you wound up in a great episode. Yeah, huh? the anti-dentite. Oh, yeah, it was... <laughs> Yeah, you anti-dentite bastard. <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah, that was really good. They wrote some good stuff for me. Yeah, you know, you were, you're, and they, then they were all they were all great to us too. It was wonderful to be on that show. It, you know, it was like it was like that show was run like a Rolls Royce. You know, it was just it was just perfect. I mean, they they had great writers, and the writers would go along, and and the, and the cast was beautiful, and I mean. Come on, that doesn't that yeah. that doesn't happen too yeah. often. Well, lightning a in a bottle. And you knew both Frank and Dean. I did. I love <laughs> that story in your book about Dean coming to the set of Prince Valiant. You you were in the oh, yeah. you were in the wig. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was at lunchtime, and I I came down from my dressing room, and and he was sitting there, and I sat next to him, and he was talking to me, and we were talking to each other, and and he I think. What I felt was he thought I was Jane Wyman because he was making, you know, like, making passes. I said, Gene, settle down, settle down. He said, oh, it's you. Yeah. And what was Frank Sinatra like? Well, you met him when you were a kid, 24. Oh, God, you know, th there's been so much ink written about Frank. Uh, I mean, so many books. And, and uh, he was so special to me and uh, incorporated me in so many things. And he was the biggest star I really think I've ever been around. I mean, he did it all. I mean, when you think about, I mean, you know, you look at TCM and you see him in some of those old musicals and those sure. old black and white pictures at RKO and MGM. I mean, he never stopped working. Recorded more, I think, than any other artist, I believe. Don't Isn't that true? Do you guys know that? I don't know, but it sounds I think right. He recorded... I think he recorded more songs than any other artist, and you know, with his musical career and his st and, and his nightclub appearances and his classic touring around the world for these gigantic concerts. I mean, he was he was amazing, and he was so generous to me and very special, very special guy. Well, and, you and you, go ahead, Gil. Oh, did you know Jerry Lewis? Why would you ask me that? Because <laughs> you know everybody. <laughs> he's, he's, he's got a Jerry Lewis yeah, obsession. I, 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 I knew Jerry Lewis, and uh, I, uh, I got to tell you, I was never very much of a Jerry Lewis fan. There you go, Gil. Oh. Aren't you sorry you asked? Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Gil, uh, Gilbert, to Oh, no, say that's that fine. You, I, I just... I just never, uh, I, I didn't get along with Jerry very much. Uh, I, I thought he was a little bit uh, very, very difficult, very hard on his family, very hard on everybody that knew him. And for me, I didn't want to be around that negativity. He was, so I stepped around him. You're not the first one who said that oh. about him. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I know that he had a. There were a lot of people that didn't feel too positive about Jerry. Interest, very interesting. This book, uh, Robert, and there was there's the end of the book. The end of um, pieces of my heart is very touching. Uh, the last chapter, which is called "The World Moves On," and you're looking back and you're thinking mm -hmm. about you're thinking about all these giants and all these icons and 
all these people you took this this uh, what Frank Hopper would call the magic carpet ride uh, with. And again, I come back to that that gratitude that can you I, feel. Could I? Could I? Could I? Could I? Let, let me just stop you for a second. Sure. Because have you read um, the book about Fay Ray? Oh, the Robert Riskin and, book. Yeah, and yeah. Robert Riskin. It's written no, we haven't by read it yet. Daughter, Victoria. I haven't read it yet. It is one of the best books. It's one of the best books I've read. If you have a chance, read it. I mean, her, the way that she presented this book and, and her family and how wonderful they were and mm-hmm. her love for them, it's a very special book. Very we'll special our, book. We'll get our Victoria. hands on that. Yeah, what? Victoria uh, Riskin wrote it. Well, we we should talk about and having you Victoria asked, You asked me. I was just saying about you yeah, know you you're, you're you're looking back in the last chapter, and again, I we really have to recommend this book to people. But you're talking about all the people that are gone, all the people that you that you came up with, uh, the the friends that you've lost over the years, um, and you know the words you use is blessed. And it's it's yes, it's very and- touching to read. You know, I, I was so moved by the time I got to the end of the book and. Scott and I were talking about it, and I just was, I've just been so fortunate in my life to have met some of these wonderful, wonderful people who were just so great to me. And I, uh, I feel that, that for me and my life, at this time in my life, uh, I have been blessed. I've been touched and by something. I don't know what, but I'm very blessed to have had the opportunity and the, and the the life that I've had to be able to be in proximity and to do something that I always wanted to do and have that happen for me and it's been very good to me. It's put my children through school and mm-hmm. and uh, you know my family has been very successful. You know, I mean they're they're doing pretty well and um, I'm fortunate. And I'm blessed, and I meant what I wrote in the book. Yes, it's very moving. Scott and I, thank you very much. Well, Scott and I spent a lot of time together, and I admire him so much. He's such a wonderful writer. And I just, you know, it was was a book of love, and he he helped me so much get through it. And uh, I liked the last part, too. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. And it's almost lo- very looking at the whole journey. It's almost from the moment you were on that golf course and you saw those those four guys walking toward you mm-hmm. and you said that's the world that I want to inhabit. And it's all it's a, it's yes. it's almost as if you willed it to happen. That you you well, you created this 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 uh this reality for yourself. It's it's fascinating. I can only leave you with one thing. I'm blessed. Lovely. You got another book in you, Robert, or is this it? I know you don't want to retire. Um, I don't know whether we've been talking about doing another book, but I'm not quite sure of what, what it's going to be. It might be something like uh, All My Heroes Are Gone. Mm-hmm. It might be something like that, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I, I don't know yet. I was going to do it about my love affair with uh, Barbara Stanwyck. Mm-hmm. That's but, something uh, we didn't even get to. I didn't want to. Well, I, I just don't want to give that up. That's That's something I have in my in my heart, and I'm going to keep it there. Sure. Well, if you ask nicely, I think Gilbert would be willing to write a foreword for you for the for the next book. Gilbert, well, if Gilbert would write a foreword like the introduction he gave me, <laughs> he's definitely on. The, the foreword would be, 
Oh, fuck, Rabbit Wagner. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Robert, this what, is a genuine thrill audio, for us. Our, our, our audio is gone. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Let's plug the books again. Uh, Robert Wagner. With, how does Scott say his name? Iman or Eamon? Iman. Scott Iman. Scott Iman. Uh, Pieces of My Heart, A Life. The other book is called You Must Remember This. And the most recent one, uh, I loved her in the movies, Memories of Hollywood's Legendary Actresses. And we will say to our listeners, get your hands on these books. Because the people who listen to this show love what we love. They're, they're obsessed, Robert. Yeah. They will correct us if well, we make a mistake. You. They write to us on Twitter. How dare you say that was Broderick Crawford. It was actually Edward Arnold. They, they will probably correct you on your career. That's how much they know. I'm, I'm sure. I want to thank both of you for having me on your show. I, I really appreciate it. I I'd heard so much about both of you, and uh, I heard that this was— that your podcasts were were so positive and so wonderful, and uh, I appreciate it. You guys were great to me. I had a good time being with you, and I wish you the best. Oh, you're so I wish kind. You the very best. I hope you'll oh. come back and play with us another time, Robert. Okay, we, I'd love to. This has been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast with my co-host Frank Santo Padre, and we have been talking to my pal RJ. <laughs> The great Robert Wagner. And all I can say is, oh, fuck. <laughs> Robert, it was an honor. I, Rob, you, Robert, I can it. I bother you to hear an oh, fuck from you one more time? Oh, fuck. <laughs> Nobody says that like Robert Wagner. Let me get this straight. You want me to steal? Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast is produced by Dara Gottfried and Frank Santapadre with audio production by Frank Verderosa. Web and social media is handled by Mike McPadden, Greg Pear, and John Bradley Seals. Special audio contributions by John Beach. Special thanks to John Fodiatis, John Murray, and Paul Rayburn. 